Welcome everybody to the Lodges podcast. This is a gaming and esports podcast where we host streamers, pro esports players, business professionals, and other people who are working in the gaming and esports industries. I am your host, Juan Rodriguez. Welcome to the show. Super excited to have you with us today. This is episode 36. We're joined by Jeff Eisenband, who is a esports and sports journalist. A lot of you are probably familiar with Jeff. Uh, he covers a lot of different things in esports, particularly the NBA 2K League, is somewhere where you've probably seen him at least report or interview some players, some coaches, and some people involved with that league. Um, he does an incredible job uh, across all the things that he's worked on. But before we jump into it with him and, and jump into the episode, I do want to highlight a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I have to admit, I have gotten a little bit behind on the five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts, and I apologize. Um, but the latest one that we have, we have a couple to catch up on, but we're going to start from the beginning. This one's from March 10th. It is from The Only Sea Bear. And they say, Juan does a great job interacting with his guests and providing high-quality content for his viewers slash listeners. Juan is a great example of an entrepreneur who is paving his own path in the world of gaming, GGs. Uh, so I really appreciate it. That's honestly such a thoughtful five-star review, and I really appreciate you uh, being so kind in that review. Um, and for anyone who's listening, if you want to go on Apple Podcasts, you want to drop a five-star rating and leave a text in there, uh, you can leave a comment like that. You can leave a question, your thoughts on the show, anything you'd like to do, and, and we'll read it uh, live on one of the episodes. But with that being said, we're going to hop into it. And again, this is episode 36 with Jeff, with Jeff Eisenband. Hope that you guys enjoy it. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Lodges podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the show. If you are a new listener, uh, I hope you guys enjoy this and are looking forward to it. And for all of our returning listeners, thank you guys again for the continued support and tuning in and hearing from all these incredible people that are joining us on the show. Today is episode 36. And with us, we have Jeff Eisenband. Um, which Jeff, I feel like I can give you a pretty lengthy introduction. Uh, he's a sports, <laughs> he's a sports and esports journalist. Uh, he's previously worked with the Post Game, DraftKings, Golf Magazine, MSG Networks. Does work with Front Office Sports, the NBA, the NBA 2K League, and I feel like the list goes on and on. But long story short, Jeff, super pumped to have you on. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. It it sounds better than it is let's put it that way it sounds like i'm doing all these things no i i like to um you know try to dip my feet into a number of things and we could talk about that because there are pros and cons there's different things that people have said but um you know i say sports and esports because i i have straddled the line of both um which is you know like i said comes with its its pros and cons but for the most part i like the pros Nice. Yeah. Um, and you have, I think you announced this morning on social media, you have a podcast, a new podcast coming out. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. something that's been in the works for a bit. And, you know, I, uh, I needed some time to actually kind of create the infrastructure and for better or for worse, I've had a, a few weeks of just being home to work on building that out. <laughs> yeah. It's like the perfect time to, to put those things together right now. I feel like. So all good there. So yeah, eyes on the prize is where it's what it's called. Spelled nice. E-I-S. Nice. Oh, well, that'll be exciting to, to see you roll that out and everything that happens with that. 
Um, well, to kick it off where we always start with the guests is if you just want to give us like a quick four to five minute background story of who you are, what you do, and kind of what your career has looked like in, in a compressed story, it'd be, uh, it'd be fun to hear about it. Yeah. Compressed is always, is always hard, <laughs> but we're going to try here. Um, you know, it's so I uh, I went to Northwestern University, studied at the, at the Medill School of Journalism there. And I I went I knew that I wanted to be a, a sports journalist. I thought, you know, I thought I was going to go down a strict traditional broadcast route. And one thing that I noticed when I was there was the rise of digital journalism. So I graduated in 2015. So I'm in college from 2011 to 2015. And I always tell people in my first class in fall 2011, one of the first things the professor said was, everyone should, we advise you to create a Twitter account. And then by the time I was a senior, there were actual classes entitled, you know, Twitter or social media. So that's how fast things are moving. So I really wanted to get into digital um, media. I was freelancing at the time for the post game, which was Yahoo Sports's digital magazine. I actually, they, they sent me to Indianapolis right down the street from Chicago to cover the Giants Patriots Super Bowl, Super Bowl 46 when I was a freshman in college. So at that point I was hooked. I'm like, I'm doing this. This is what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to pass and I'm going to get into this. So I worked for the post game for about three, three years out of college, uh, as an editor, doing also, you know, editors, a loose term in the digital world. I was doing uh, video interviews. I was doing some podcasting. I was doing some writing, some social media. And um, while I was there, got involved a little bit with hosting with the NBA, the um, hosting content for the NBA Twitch channel, which was my first dive into the video game esports world. The uh, people in charge of the NBA Twitch channel moved over to run content for the NBA 2K League. So I said, you know, hey, could I get involved in this? And I always love to tell this story. First day of the NBA 2K League, the 2018 NBA 2K League draft, they basically said, here, Jeff, take a microphone, take a camera, get whatever you can of the players after they get picked. And, you know, we'll use the best stuff for social or for recap videos. And as I'm asking these guys, what were you doing before the league? And they're telling me truck drivers. I was working in an Amazon plant. I was, you know, a financial advisor and I'm actually taking less money now. Um, that's where I really started to see with esports just how there were so many stories to tell that weren't being told or hadn't been told, you know, just didn't even hadn't been uncovered. So for the last uh, this would have been season three, but for the last two plus years, I've been, um, you know, working as broadcast talent for the NBA 2K League. I was deemed the insider at one point. I've been doing sideline reporting. I've filled in it to, to do color. I've been an analyst during halftime and postgame and even been the host of the half game and postgame show. So I've I've done a lot uh, within that league. And, you know, now, like you said, working for MSG Networks a little bit, I've done a sports betting pregame segment for devil's games this year. So uh, really try it. Basically my mentality has been, I will do, you give me a microphone and it's sports or esports related. And I'll, uh, I'll figure out how to communicate the message to the fans. <laughs> there you go. You're like, I'm just here and, and you're set and you're all about it. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I, I actually got some great advice recently that I, I keep going back to where someone told me uh, kind of one of my superiors said, you know, there's so much in, uh, about influencer culture and things going on right now. But as a journalist, you know, stick to what you're good at. If you're good at being a journalist, lean into being a journalist and you'll you'll pay dividends. You know, you don't have to be sticky on Instagram or anything like that. So that's something that I've just tried to focus on myself. 
Nice. Would you say, and I wanted to kind of date back a little bit into your story. I know you obviously had to do it very compressed quickly, but to dive into it, when you were in school, were you you looking at esports? Was that something that was on your radar? Were you looking at just traditional sports? Or I guess what was your thought process as you were going to school as to, you know, which one you wanted to dive into? Yeah, that was kind of the start. Uh, esports was really just starting to blossom at the time. And I, I, I tell people when I graduate, so I started working, you know, actually I had a job working for the post game in starting mm-hmm. fall 25th or late summer, 2015. And a couple of people I'd be at events in New York city, you know, covering events or sports media conferences. And people would say, you know, you should get into esports. Esports is growing and you're young, you play video games. Right. And I'm like, yes, I play video games, but that doesn't mean I play league of legends, CS go, you know, we're talking about <laughs> right. the games that were popping at the time. And that's where you're seeing those numbers. I'm like, you know, just, I've never picked up, you know, I've never played league of legends in my life. I recognize I'm not naive to why people watch video games. I love video games and I recognize what's going on, but the the ones that are making money right now and the ones that were getting publicity were not the games that I knew or were interested in, but mm. I had my ear to the ground in it. So then when the sports world especially started to get more involved, and when I say sports world, I mean, when, when, like when League of Legends sells out Madison Square Garden and Staples Center, people in the sports media, sports business world are like, we got to get in on this. This is what young people are watching. Mm-hmm. And my take was, no, not necessarily the same young people that you're thinking of. I don't think as many people, I don't think people are not watching the NFL because they're watching League of Legends. To me, right. I was like, it's they were they were playing World of Warcraft or they were doing something that you didn't necessarily pay attention to before it could be monetized like this. But you know, it was out there. And then when I started to see more mainstream games, you know, fit the esports mold, and especially in the sports world, that's when I said, okay, this is what fits with what I do. This is what fits with my sports and being in my 20s playing these video games my whole life uh, and enjoying them. This is where things fit for me. But like I said, to me, my biggest interest is in telling stories in whatever sort of field that may be. Right. And so the 2K League was a great avenue then for you then, because did you feel as if that was a game that you could more closely actually to relate to or say that, yeah, that's a game I've picked up and played and and that whole sort of thing? Yeah, it's a game that I I said, look, I love basketball. I love playing NBA 2K. Now we can talk all about I I was not an elite level pro-am player. I, you know, I'd Mm -hmm. rather play. I, at the time I, and still I, I play more play now with friends than, you know, my player, like, Uh, Like you, you know, for those who don't know, the NBA 2K League is five on five. So you're playing, everyone is playing as one single player, not one V one. But yes, it was something that I said, look, it's, it's sports. It's, it's video. It's a video game that I know it's the NBA. It's legit. It's what I want to, it's right where I, I feel like I want to be at this point in my career. And I think that you know, you're looking at these guys who play in the NBA 2K League. We love to talk about them as they they want to be NBA players. You know, that's the mentality that they carry. So mm-hmm. um, I know there's this stigma about esports. People like, oh, you know, they're just nerds or whatever people say. Well, you know, first of all, I don't think they're nerds. I think that maybe some in certain esports are more introverted. The NBA 2K right. League players all think they're LeBron James and James Harden and Russell Westbrook after <laughs> at press conferences. And I love it. I love that they, you know, have that competitive rivalry nature about them. 
Yeah, yeah, no, and I, and I think it's a fair statement to say that each league or each, you know, league where players play in, I think they each care, have different personas, people carry themselves differently. Um, and and I really, I mean, I say that there's probably, even if you're just a regular video game fan or have the game that you play, I, I'm sure there's an esports league out there where you can kind of find where you fit in as a viewer and entertainment wise. Um, and you just have to find it. But yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you that the stigma of just saying that every person that plays a, a video game is, is a nerd or or that I, I think the the statement of that you might have more video games that are introvert is definitely a more fair statement in my mind. For sure. Um, where would you say, and I wanted to ask you this to to kind of kick it off too, is where did you first crave your interest for for journalism and broadcasting? Did that come while you were in school? Was it something when you were growing up, it really fascinated you? Or, or where did your interest come from? Oh, wow. Um, I, I like to, I mean, my mom worked a little bit in production as an assistant producer, uh, you know, years ago in her 20s. So I like to think that that's where some of the nature comes from. But um, it was something I, I, I so in ninth grade, um, my parents urged me, you know, write, write for the school newspaper, you like to write, you can write about sports, you know, I, I was something that um, I was always interested in. I was the kid that, you know, read in in fourth grade i came home to get the uh to get the box scores to read over you know to basically <laughs> i knew everyone's stats i knew everyone every team in the standings you know what every matchup was each night yeah. uh by you know as as time went on by by middle school i was rushing home on wednesday to read sports illustrated um after you know i after every uh on every wednesday because that's when it came out so that was kind of the start of things and then 10th grade i always go back to was i walked into my video production class on the first day and there was an easel that said if anyone wants to call it like the the public access television channels looking for students to do play-by-play in color for the homecoming football game and i was I was like, yeah, you know, I, I really want to just like I could, you know, be like Bob Costas or Al Michaels. So I'm going to throw my name into the hat. And mm-hmm. I called that first game play by play. And I was hooked that this is what I ended up calling all sorts of RC sports in high school, all sorts of sports um, in college. And that goes back to what I was saying about learning. Like I. I learned how to call swimming in high school and field hockey. I learned how to call volleyball and wrestling in college. Like, you know, there was, these were not sports that I necessarily played a lot or were as interested in, but I wanted to, to grind it out and be able to, to, you know, paint that picture of things and, and knew what it took to earn your stripes. And, you know, you're not going to call, you're not going to jump in and call, college football Saturday is right when you get to college, you have to right. work your way up. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was something that I experienced at a young age had uh, luckily had opportunities that I was like, this is what I love and enjoy doing. This is what I want to focus my energy on. Yeah. And how would you, cause I think, you know, of course, given all the work that you've done and still the work that you're doing today for anyone that's maybe listening and, and wants to go to down a similar route or has these interests, in journalism or broadcasting, you know, is there anything like a motto that you've stuck to or, or something that you think is important that's helped you, you know, navigate your career, pick the right opportunities, put yourself in the best position to win or, or, or anything like that? 
I think that people have to understand that you have to, whatever you do, you know, maybe there's a one in a million chance someone, someone gets lucky and is able to jump to the front of the line, you know, by luck. But for Mm -hmm. the most part, everyone's got to work their way up. And I don't think you can, especially when you're young, if you're in high school, college, or right out of college, you can't look, if you want to get to that place, you can't look at anything as uh, kind of below you. I guess is the way to put it. And there have been so many, for example, like I started my career doing so much writing for the post game. And there were a ton of interviews and stories that I would take because, you know, I'd get a pitch from a brand or an agent or someone publicizing one of their clients. And, you know, maybe it's not the sexiest interview in the world, but I was like, I have to, you know, master this D list athlete. If I'm going to get to C list to B list to a list. Mm -hmm. And I think it was important. You know, it's important to recognize that it's important to recognize if you have an opportunity in broadcast that maybe isn't the biggest event or story that you want to do, but you've got to prove that you can do that well to get to the next rung on the ladder. So I tell people, it's like, don't look at it as necessarily. I want to be in my dream job a year from now. I want to be in my dream job seven years from now. How do I get there and enjoy? And and I know it's cliche, but it's about the journey. So it's about enjoying the journey, trusting the process and, you know, make sure you're hitting your checkpoints, but understand that you need to, it has to be a process. It's not just the snap of the fingers. It's not just, you're going to make one, one, write one article or whatever field you're in. You know, if you're in business, do one deal and you're going to be, you know, a senior manager of whatever, like you need to work, you need to do your best, the best work at the first, it's a lot like video games. You have to master the early levels before you can get to the top levels. Yeah. So, you know, just do your, do your best and, and recognize that it's a process. Right. No, th- those are great words of advice. And I think like you're saying, that's just applicable to, to so much in life. And I know that we live in a, in an instant world where everybody just wants everything now, but um, no, that's really great to hear about have, uh, well, let's go back to the 2k league then. Cause I know you've done a lot of your, your work there. Could you, again, just kind of recap, what are, what are some of the things you've been most involved in with the league? I know you said that your first gig was um, being at the 2K draft, interviewing people that were getting drafted. What else, what are some of the roles that you've carried in the 2K league that, that you'd like to share about? Yeah. So my, my first year, the first season, I was essentially the social media correspondent or social media reporter, which a lot of times after games, I'd take one or two of the players and we we just go over the game on a cell phone for direct to social media content and you know sometimes we would do these uh we would tape these things where we would you know we'd have a a player's top three plays teed up and we'd go over it with them or something like that and so that was a, a lot of what i did the first season the second season i would was um essentially doing press conferences by myself uh after a game interviewing all the players from the winning team and then we were sharing the best content either back in the back in the stream in the live stream or on social and then i jumped in and did some fill-in hosting like the ernie johnson role of the league for halftime mm-hmm. and post game sometimes i'd be an analyst um i would compare myself more to kenny smith than chuck or uh or shack in that way <laughs> but uh and you know, I, I just so I was the and the analyst on desk for both the the um, expansion draft and the regular draft during this offseason. And I 
was uh, on the ground for the NBA 2K League APAC Invitational, which was a tournament featuring the, some of the top players in Asia, in the Asia Pacific region. So I was actually out in Seoul, South Korea about two months ago. And um, I would say I always look at my position in the NBA 2K League as being someone that can communicate the stories of these, you know, players to fans and on top of that also be a liaison to the sports to the traditional nba fan the more casual nba 2k fan of you know here's what's going on i'm going to put this in the in terms that you'll understand and potentially be interested in yeah and i think something that that 2k league has done great is because i know you're you're touching so much on on storytelling and how that interests you and i think the 2k league has done a great job with you know how they do the 2k draft hopefuls i believe it's called um, where they do the mini, like little mini movie series on them and kind of highlight some of the players and their background stories and where they were at leading up to this journey. Um, and I love that about the 2K League. And, and I think some other leagues do it as well. I know Call of Duty is kind of doing some season, um, some clips and stuff like that. Um, but I love that the 2K League takes that time to break down people's stories and share it because I really think that's where a lot of, especially for fan engagement, that's where you really give the fan and the viewer an opportunity to connect with those players. Maybe they've had similar experiences or, or life journeys. Um, so it's cool to hear that that's such an authentic interest to you as well. Yeah, no, it's just, and I think that it's understanding that it all, everything complements everything. Like, you know, you still have to have a strong live product. You still have to, you have to be able to tell your player stories. You have to give people a reason. Inherently, I don't think people realize it because it's so unconscious, but the reason that so many of us watch traditional sports is because we want to follow these storylines. We want to follow, you know, how excited do people get about, um, you know, in the NBA, the beef that one player has with another and watching that. Or maybe it's the fact that two players have just always, re- they always rise to the occasion when they play against each other. Those sorts of stories, you can't get enough of those. And they're important to tell a story, especially in a new esports league where you're trying to get people, um, you know, to want to care, want to stay, want to come back and want to uh, uh, digest the content. Right. No, definitely to your point. I mean, I'm speaking as an avid sports fan since I was a little kid, like some great examples come to my mind is I love on for college football on game days, how they always have, you know, the stories where they highlight. It's usually a lot of the time where someone's gone through something difficult, whether that was a, a loss in, in life of a family member of a friend or it was a personal experience. Um, and, and it's crazy because and I think that's something that sports as well as esports does so well is you could really have no idea about this player on this team and you hear their story and it's presented to you in a storytelling fashion and instantly after it you're just like wow like i really connected to that person i really felt that now i'm rooting for them um and and i think that's something that esports should should definitely tag on as well so it's great to see that the 2k league is is kind of buying into that yeah, no, for sure it's uh and like i said you got to you got to balance the live and the and the content product definitely definitely well, you've been with it really since the start, right? From season one all the way through now, you, you've been with the 2K League, correct? Yeah, I can't say I was like Brendan Donahue, you know, in the planting the seeds, but um, <laughs> I started to latch on once those roots started to come out of the ground. That's awesome. Well, how would you say just from an overview how it's grown so much? I mean, how has it been to be a part of that process to kind of see a new league in esports? You know, obviously you're saying you're not there from the very beginning, but from the fair mount from the beginning, grow to where it's at right now. Um, you know, what has that been like? Because I don't think very many people get to see it 
and actually work firsthand on it uh, throughout the whole process. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a grass. It was a grassroots effort, you know, and it's um, I think that I always like that people would say to me things like, oh, it's the NBA. They should be spending all of this money and all this stuff. It's like, you know, it was it's a, it started as a as a tight knit operation. There are people that work their butts off, you know, working uh, seven days a week to get the league off the ground. And I think what we saw was, well, who are the fans? Who's watching? Who is um, you know, who's playing? There were a lot of things that had to learn that we had to learn in the first season. And I think it was understanding, um, you know, what, that there's a base, there's a base group of fans. There are fans that religiously have been following the NBA 2K competitive scene long before the NBA 2K league started. And mm-hmm. then there are fans that are just interested in, you know, basketball junkies and who play NBA 2K and who want to get to know what the product is. You know, I think one of the luxuries that the NBA 2K league has is anyone who knows basketball can sit there and know exactly what's going on. You can't Mm -hmm. get that with overwatch. You can't get that with other leagues. Like if you show the NBA 2K league to, you know, your parents, if they've ever watched basketball, they get what's going on. So, you know, I think that was, uh, there was a, there was a second step taken in season two, there was, you know, a lot more about the content, like we talked about, about creating storylines, you know, you start to, as a second season of anything develops, you start to now have history, you start to be able to say, well, you know, last year, this happened. Um, and then I think some like there, there are steps, even season three, I'd love that uh, we'll, we'll hopefully get to see it this year. But at the NBA 2K League studio, there was there was going to be a a, con, a content creation studio this year, and I think that's important for people who even fans who come by or players or people that want to you know be involved in creating content around what they're doing. I don't think that's necessarily how a 35 year old MLB player was raised, but it is how a 21 year old esports athlete has raised was raised. Yeah, no, and you got to give, I feel like giving them that connection adds that extra value. And again, like you're saying, that's how you continue to create fans of it and continue to have people that want to engage with it. So um, that's awesome. Well, I, I know we wanted to jump into kind of what you do as well as freelance work, especially given the circumstances we're in right now. Unfortunately, of course, as everyone knows, with the coronavirus and everything going around, um before we dive into that situation though there was one question i wanted to ask you before that and and it, i think it'd be interesting to hear how do you so you do some freelance to work myself up at one particular place, network as much as possible, put put out as much social media content as possible, me, you know, just get myself out there as much as possible to the point that when I started freelancing, I'd had conversations with people for the last year or two that was basically like, hey, if only we could work together, right? And then when I went freelance, I was kind of like, well, now we can work together. You know, let's uh, put your money where your <laughs> mouth is. 
Um, but it was, uh, I needed to get to that point where I had something to offer. So then, you know, the last, it's been the last year and a half and I've done, um, things for, I've done writing, I've done video work for people. I've done audio work for people. I've been in broadcasting live events. You know, I've, I've dabbled in a lot of things. And on top of that, I've done backend production for people that, you know, my followers, people out there don't even have any idea I'm doing, but that helps pay the bills and is kind of, you know, stuff that's going on to that. I work that I need to put in to be able to make ends meet, uh, while I'm, you know, chasing this dream of being front facing talent. But, uh, right now it's been tough. You know, like I said, my, my biggest two things were the MSG, you know, MSG networks and the NBA 2k league. I was doing pregame segments for the devils. That's, uh, the NHL's on hold right now. We'll see if the regular season ever even comes back. The NBA 2K League would have started this week. That's on hold. Uh, I had another oppor- two opportunities, which you know I can't share because they hadn't happened yet. But those are pushed right now. So it sucks. It's difficult. Um, I uh, you know I'm I I'm lucky that I I saved enough that I'm not like moving out of my apartment or anything like that. Right. But right you know, my savings will take a hit right now. Uh, I think that, and I'm optimistic that a lot of what I'm doing will come back, especially because it it involves so much of it involves live events. And I just think that, you know, who knows if it's two a month from now or six months from now, but I, I am optimistic that sports will one day return, but I'm trying, you know, like you said, at the beginning of this, I launched my own podcast, which I'm taping mm-hmm. video with, and I have some backlogs of content that I'd been putting it together for a little bit. Um, you know, that's both to create some value for myself, but also to showcase you know, myself, I would love to be able to do one-off events, potentially esports events from, from home over the next few weeks, uh, to make sure that I, that I am creating at least some sort of income for myself, but it's tough. And it's recognizing, I think that you just, it is what it is. And I'm, and you're rolling with the punches and I believe in what I do. I believe I, and I'm confident that I'm good at it and that it'll take me somewhere. It's just right now it's recalibrating myself. And also I need to, you know, here we are. My mentality is at when we come out on the other side of this, I need to put myself in a position where I'm, I need to be in a better position to, a, to get more of those freelance opportunities than I was mm-hmm. at the start of this. And then I can deem myself as having some success that can amount to financial success and career success down the road. Yeah, no, the two things I want to hit on there. And the first one is actually that last point, because I think that's a great mentality just really for anybody right now with everything going on. I think as unfortunate as it is and, and everything that's happening, and I know that people are struggling with different losses, I do think there is a huge opportunity for really individuals in any industry to take advantage of the time right now. And like you're saying, put yourself in a position to where when this is all said and done, you're actually further along and and maybe have a jump start on other people that either weren't as efficient with their time or weren't as productive with their time. I do think there's a real opportunity there for for those people to get ahead, jump start, basically, like you're saying. Yeah, it's 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 a grind. And, you know, it's it's like I've had opportunities in the last um you know, a few months, for example, where I've had people come to me about potentially breaking news and I'm saying like the, the, uh, the originators of the news. And mm-hmm. the difficult part is I don't have an in-house, you know, if I was in-house for someone, I'd be like, all right, I'll write this article right now, but I have to go then make that pitch 
to someone and it's hard to, you know, turn things like that around so fast. So there are little things like that that are challenges in the freelance world. But, you know, like I said, I, I put myself in a position where I felt like I had the contacts and the the drive to be able to sustain myself and to, you know, have good months and have bad months. But at the end of a year, look back and think we had career and financial success here. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, I love the flexibility that I have to jump into a number of fields. I don't necessarily know if this is going to be my life forever, but I'm finding out specifically with me what I'm good at and what I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think it is a time for, for self-reflection for a lot of people to kind of now have that time while things are, you know, quote unquote, slowed down. Um, Something you touched on that it was actually a question I was going to ask you. You mentioned that you think it'd be great to host some events from home. Do you think, or, or I guess what's your hot take or personal opinion on, do you think that with everything that's happening right now, we'll see uh, events shift a, a little bit in any kind of way in the esports world. Do you think we'll have more opportunities like that where you can be a host or, or broadcast an event from home? Um, you know, do you think it's going to shape the industry in any kind of way with something like this happening? So I, I have a lot of interesting takes on this and a lot of people reached out to me right away as sports went on hiatus and they sent, they texted me and, or emailed me and said, isn't this, this is esports' moment, right? And my first reaction was, hold on one sec, you know, look Overwatch League, Call of Duty League, uh, the NBA 2K League, they've all, the, the big leagues are all suspending themselves right now. And part of that's because the whole model has been built around, um, you know, having local home esports and mm-hmm. Also, you know, engaging with an audience the same way that LeBron, LeBron James was disappointed when he heard he might be playing in front of empty arenas. Esports athletes love to play in front of fans and get the crowd hyped. And from a visual perspective, if you're watching at home, it's a better product. So, you know, no one wants to put out there a bad product while while the eyeballs are here. I think that's been some of the hesitance from the the actual big esports leagues is they don't want to okay, here's the hype and here's the actual esport, but you don't have that extra fan element to things. Um, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a definitely a moment for streaming and definitely a moment for um, amateur esports, definitely a moment for uh, charity streams, definitely a moment for organized esports that maybe haven't been at the highest level. Uh, you know, I think that a lot of brands and teams and, you know, sports teams and players are going to rec- are recognizing right now the value that social media, social media, digital mm-hmm. media and streaming can bring to their brand. And I think you're going to see a lot of people kind of harness that in the video game industry to next year. I think a lot of these sports teams that are streaming and seeing all of their fans on Twitch and YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, they're going to be like, why don't we just stream an hour before our games next year as a way to get people excited and navigate them toward our actual broadcast. So that's where I think you're going to see a lot of the value. I mean, you will see some esports leagues in the next few weeks navigate themselves to do remote competition and it'll be good. But I think that they know deep down they're putting out 80% of the product that they want to put out there. 
Yeah, no, and I think that's a fair point too, right? To because I know everyone did get excited, and, and it is a moment for esports and, and streaming and all that. But to your point, you do have leagues like the Call of Duty League, where the whole basis around that was built to have those live events, to have that energy, to have that fan experience. So I I think to your point, while they do have the opportunity to to move it online and and play those tournaments online, I do think it still kind of takes a hit on on the league, right? Because you're not having those events in person like you were planning on. I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, we had uh, Justin Jacobson was was on two episodes ago and he was talking about how, you know, players they were plan- planning on having uh, fan engagement or activation in person, now having those canceled. That hurts that player that maybe was expecting revenue from that or was looking forward to events like that. So while I think, you're like you're saying, they can continue, it definitely, I think, still does take a hit on on some of the leagues out there. The overall, this will help the the overall video game industry in terms of gaining legitimacy. But right. it, like I said, the esports leagues are the ones that are that that it's not as I think that people are naive to think that they're just these you know streamed entities and people are are remote playing against each other. That's never been the goal of all this. So it, it might come in like and and you know we we talked about it a little before we started this podcast the. Um, in Vegas, you know, in Atlantic City, in in different sports betting rings around the country, they're waiting and hoping that these esports leagues come back for that specific reason. I was just on a, on a radio show today on SB Nation Radio and saying, you know, I think people need to understand that you're not going to see a lot of regulated sports betting on amateur esports tournaments or celebrity esports tournaments because you know there's not that the the legitimacy of competition is not as high as the professionals playing at the highest level and i think mm-hmm. that that honestly that's what's what's driving maybe an overwatch league to come back is overwatch league can dominate vegas for the next few months and you know, that's that and more so even mobile betting in a state like New Jersey. And that is where there's a lot of value in, you know, forget the fan engagement, but the value of just, you know, helping that league grow that has to be considered. Yeah, no, that that's I, I truthfully, I don't dabble too much in, in the in the betting world. I actually a lot of people keep mentioning it. So I think I need to educate myself a little bit more in it. But I could see how that definitely plays an impact and and a role in it. Um, One other thing I wanted to ask you, because I know, like you're saying, you've kind of had to adjust. I know you've gotten into streaming a little bit during this time. I know the other day you were streaming like backyard baseball. Um, what has that been like? I, I don't know how long it's been since you started streaming or even if you had been streaming prior to that, but kind of what has that experience been like right now? The candid answer is I, I tr- I've tried to stream in the past. The problem was I have a, a four-year-old, four or five-year, actually five-year-old laptop, Mac laptop. It's just beat up, full of memory, full, you know, not enough RAM space and yada, yada, yeah. yada. So I had a little bit of foresight in seeing, I'd been thinking about, do I get a gaming desktop? Do I get a gaming desktop? And I saw that we were about to go on hiatus for a long time. And I said, I'm making this investment right now. So I, I got the gaming desktop. Um, I went to Best Buy right as the kind of the day after well, I got to, I went um, on the Thursday. So the players championship was still going on that day. So most sports had been canceled, but some hadn't. And I was like, I'm doing this. So I got an Alienware gaming desk, you know, desktop, mm-hmm. got the monitor, got everything. Um, and I've been streaming a little bit. I've done, like you said, some backyard baseball, some world golf tour. Um, I got a couple other games teed up. I know a lot of people have been saying, why not more NBA 2K? 
Um, I think I'm, I'm smart enough to realize there are better NBA 2K streamers out there than me. So, <laughs> you know, if people want to see me just hang out and, and yeah, you know, on blacktop or something like that, I might do it. I might stream with other, you know, with kind of make it an interview sort of style, but, yeah. um, I've been, I've been just trying to get like, like I spoke about my podcast and my own content off the ground. It's, it's something that, you know, look, I, if you've noticed with my streams, I use Restream and I do everything. I send everything out to both Twitch and Periscope. Why do I do that? Well, I know that my biggest following is on Twitter and I know that consumers are lazy and don't want to click away and go into Twitch or anything like that. So, you know, I feel like I need to start. Maybe I'll have a Twitch following down the road, but I need to engage people on Periscope first before anything happens. And like I yeah. said before, my goal is to be a journalist, not an entertainer, not a streamer. So I'm using this as a way to engage with my audience, have some fun during this time. But to me, it's more important to engage with those people on Periscope that have been following me for my Twitter coverage than to try to cultivate a gigantic Twitch following playing backyard sports. Yeah. And I think that's a smart way to go about it. Right. And because it is hard to just launch a stream and, and grow a following on Twitch just from the ground up fast. You know, I think that's definitely unless you have like a huge, uh, you know, personal brand outside. And I think it'd have to be pretty large to just immediately launch a big Twitch following. So, no, I think that's a smart way on your end to go about it, too. So. um, Well, last I know we're going to start to wind down here a little bit. um. Anything else on the on the freelance work and, and kind of the current climate right now? Anything that we didn't touch on that you want to mention? I mean, look, it, it's uh, maybe I'm uh, like, I'm just going to, I'm going to tell it like it is. It, it's a tough time. And it's a time that, you know, you have to understand that you can't get overly frustrated. It's not just you. You know, that's what I'll say to people. Anyone that feels like they've, you know, I have friends who have been, who have been let go in the last two weeks because of this. I, you know, my, I myself am struggling to get my freelance work. Um, I know people who've taken pay cuts, know people who, you know, are, are out of work on a hiatus or something like that. And the, the fact of the matter is this is, it's not just you. It's, it's the general U S economy, um, which I, I think you should take that away as a, as a good thing that it's not like you're being singled out while the rest of the world is advancing. And I think it's just, um, like I said, you have to trust what you're good at. The world will come back, hopefully sooner rather than later. But right now we just have to do what's right. You see that there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of horror going on right now. And maybe it's easy to be, we're all cooped up at home and everyone thinks, you know, not, if, you, if it doesn't happen to you or it's not someone close to you, you're just not thinking about it in a way that those who are affected are thinking about it. So, you know, just... Uh, just be patient. Believe it or not, I when I, I used to have an old podcast when I was at the post game, and I taped an episode with uh, via phone with Tim Tebow, and he actually said, you know, it's it's funny taking like Tebow quotes, but um, <laughs> he said, you know, things are never as as necessarily as high as they seem, and never as low as they seem, and that works both ways. And it's just understanding that you know you might put yourself in a dark place, so you you know, but it's it's not as you need to to look at the bigger picture and take a step back and enjoy the good things that are around you right now. And there are so many things 
so many there's Netflix, there's there's video games, there's so many things, ways to entertain yourself while you're home right now. And just try to do that and and you know, we'll get back to a, a place as a society sooner rather than later. Yeah, no, that's a good way to put it. And that that is a good Tim Tebow quote. Um, and I think too, you know, I've heard different people say it. It's it's a great time to or not a great time, but a, a positive point for takeaway is that we do have now some extra time with with family and loved ones where, you know, if you were in a job that maybe you were traveling all over the place or, or constantly busy um, because everything is being put on halt and, and at a stop, it, it kind of gives you that moment to maybe spend more time with those family members that you maybe hadn't had the chance to just because of work or, or whatever else you were cooped up doing. Um, so I, I do, I do agree that I do think there are some, some positives that we can take away from it. Um, well, the last thing I really want to ask you about to, to kind of end it on a, on an excited and, and happy note, because I saw this happen a few months ago for you and I'm sure it was a cool experience. Um, and I wanted you to just touch on it real quick is I saw you had, I don't know if it was the opportunity that you were interviewing him alone or hosting him, but you got to do that with Derek Jeter. Um, I don't know if you just want to take a second to talk about that, how that opportunity came up and, and what was that like getting to interview somebody like that, I guess. Tampa's number one resident, Derek Jeter, although I should say he's spending more time in Miami probably now than Tampa. Um, <laughs> it was a corporate event, so it was something that, you know, was closed to the public. I, we could take pictures, but I can't, you know, there are certain things like the video is not public out there, but mm-hmm. um well, I think it should be, you know, Derek Jeter's obviously he's going to Cooperstown this year. So you're going to see him making a lot more appearances, a lot more speeches, a lot more. He'll be at a lot more engagements than he he was maybe before. And so, you know, I think it's 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 a little bit of a relief off his shoulders, which you'd be surprised. Right. Because he was a surefire Hall of Famer for so long. But I think because he's such a competitor, that's just the way that he carried himself. Um, you know, just talking to him, he's different than he was as a player. Um, he, you know, he's got, he's got two kids now. He's got a wife. He's the CEO of a team. He said that he would retire from baseball when it felt like a job. And that last year, it felt like a job. He joked that, you know, the Yankees didn't want him back probably after the year anyway. But, um, and I said, well, does being CEO of a team feel like a job? And he said, yes, a hundred percent, you know, it's a job. <laughs> so, uh, but it was cool just, uh, to experience that, you know, everyone keeps saying to me, were you starstruck, you know, growing up in New York, a Yankee fan, but, um, I, I've been in this business enough to luckily be around some people and be able to basically brace myself for start for superstardom to not, you know, you just have to make people are human beings. And the biggest thing that I've notice it is that these stars for the most part not all of them but for the most part they want to be treated like human beings you know if you treat them the best way to turn off a superstar is to act starstruck in front of them so you need to be thinking in your head when you're around them just treat them like normal people because that's really what they just want to be treated like and he could not have been more down to earth the type of guy who shakes everyone's hand in the room even you know the security guard holding the door uh ask ask everyone how they're doing and i think that's i think that's just how he was raised how he carries himself and why he has been you know so beloved beyond just his physical abilities yeah well, I'm sure that was like you're saying, I, I think that's a lot of truth to to treat them like normal human beings. Um, and, and that's cool that you had an opportunity to do something like that, especially if you were growing up um, in New York. I, I don't know if we mentioned that at the beginning or not, but that's really cool that, that you had the opportunity to do something like that. Um, 
well, Jeff, I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show and, and touching on your career, touching on your path and, and providing some insight and, and knowledge really for maybe someone else that's out there looking to go into a similar career path or has interest in these different things. So thank you again for coming on. Yeah, no problem. I know we were, we were playing a little uh, Twitter tag, so glad to actually get this uh, <laughs> happening. Yeah, I think we've, we've been going back and forth on the Twitter since like the beginning of the year, I think. But, you know, persistence works and, and I'm glad we were able to finally make it happen. No problem. Thanks so much. Um, where real quick, where can everybody will tag you, but where can everyone find you on social media? If they're looking to connect with you at Jeff Eisenband on all forms of social media, J E F F E I S E N B A N D. Uh, and then my new podcast is eyes on the prize, uh, spelled E I S the eyes part of that. Cool. Cool. And, and like I said, if you guys are listening on Apple podcast, that'll be linked below. So you guys can just click on it and go straight to his social media accounts. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening again. Like I said, if you're new to the show, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you're a returning listener or subscriber, thank you guys so much for the support, for the reviews and for getting this podcast out there. Um, and with that being said, we'll catch you next week for another episode of the Lodges podcast. Hey everyone. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. If you've enjoyed this, you can find out more about Lodges by searching on Instagram at Lodges underscore financial on Twitter at Lodges, on eFuse at Lodges, and on LinkedIn by searching for my name, Juan Rodriguez, J-U-A-N. Following on socials is the best way to be kept up to date with podcast updates and information. Thanks, and you were just listening to The Lodges Podcast.